Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can I tell you a secret? Um, thank you, Pastor. I have been a church in heart of Christ. Pastor Isaiah allowed me to preach about finances. Secrets of Divine Providence, part one, part two, part three. I'm soon preaching about the fourth part eh? on finances. And I can tell you, I have realized that Christians are poor because they want to be poor. They just love poverty. And that's the truth. I'll give you an example. Look at a minister. One time a pastor came and he came and told me, Apostle Grace, you have been in Mokono. You came in, Af- in Fanero for one day and the first day you were 1,200. By the way, the last sitting was about 1,760. And yes, praise God. In just weeks. So I think you see where we are going. So he asked me a question. He asked me, how do you do to get these numbers? I told him, I have to be faithful. And he told me, teach me these things. And the first thing I asked him was, man of God, ever since you started your church, did you give the first fruit of your ministry? He told me no. And I asked him, so how do you again handle tithes as a ministry? He says, we don't do that. And I told him, God kill me if you ever grow. I was that serious. Why? Why do we want them to tithe when we're not tithing? Why do we want them to give fast fruit when we are not giving fast fruit? He said, as long as the, the, the earth remains, seed and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat, night and day, like I'm sure tomorrow is going to be day, I am sure whatever you sow, you must reap. So, if you have not given a first fruit of your ministry, what do you think? And how do you think God is going to trust you with the people who must give first fruit and tithe? It's just that obvious. Hallelujah. For an error is debt free. Heart of Christ is debt free. We are debt free. We don't borrow. We don't have foreign aid for, for your information. And we meet our bills. Even this one, we already paid. We're just giving you opportunity to, <laughs> to give. So you're not helping us, you're helping yourself. Hallelujah. But I like what you said. I've realized my sister told me this years ago. And I've lived it by principle. Be detached from money. Just be detached. It's what he meant here, don't love it. Just be detached from money. Let money be something that is subject to you. Let it be in your mind. You see, let me tell you the principle. It's simple. The Bible says that he that giveth to the poor does what? 
lend it to the Lord. But the same Bible also says that he that borroweth is a servant to the one that lendeth him. So that means if you give to the poor, you put yourself, you put God in a spirit and substance of servanthood to provide for you. Simple. Hallelujah. And poverty is not only spiritual, but also physical. Physical, spiritual. Same it is. If you give to the work of God and we preach to the poor soul and the soul of God becomes born again, what happens? God is indebted to be servant to your provision. Period. There is no long story. Simple. Hallelujah. The people you see, the men of God who manipulate people, one million, two million, they are poor. They floated the principles and when they floated them, they wanted to be accessing money again. And how do they do it? By not manipulating. Why? Because the long cut principle has failed. When they don't do the principles, they want to, they will lack. One time I was in a lunch hour, a man of God boldly said, I want 50 people with 100,000. I said, oh God. And they sent all of us for passports the next day. <laughs> I mean, I didn't take mine, but I've traveled and I'm sure the people who took, not all of them traveled because they were manipulated. But Ugandans love to be manipulated. They don't want to give by principle. Hallelujah. God bless you, Pastor. Give him a mighty hand. Tell your neighbor, Fanero. Now you can lighten up a bit. They've beaten you. You know, no amen, no nothing, no yes. That's right. Speak, Master. What? <laughs> I, I mean, replaced ouch. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Today I want to speak to the mature, but don't worry if you're a baby, you'll also understand. So I'll try to make it so simple for you in these few minutes that we have, and I know you'll go back blessed. We thank the Lord for November blessing. We thank the Lord for Fanero. Now, if Fanero is like this, that means even this is small. We need to be thinking of a bigger place. Do you know where we are going? Ask your neighbor, do you know where we are going? (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. I want to share something that the Lord had placed on my heart. I shared one part at church on Sunday, and I promised them I felt unctioned by the Holy Spirit. I know that in such congregations, sometimes these kinds of messages don't go out, but I felt led of the Holy Spirit to let out this kind of message in this kind of gathering. I had, I had preached on something called our lines of ministry, and in the brackets, I put something called Barnabas. I put a name called Barnabas. For those of you who are interested in the first CD, you'll speak to the guys at, um, at the information desk. They can get for you the first part. I preached the first part, and I'm going to preach the second part. But when I'm preaching about our lines of ministry... By the end of this, you'll appreciate where we're coming from. And this is where we are. I was sharing with a group of people a few days ago. And I told them, it's true, like Hosea 4.6 says, that our people die because they lack knowledge. But the price of what kills our people is not sometimes that they don't have information. The price of what kills the church today is because they have wrong information. And consequently, the wrong information produces wrong results. This is how the mystery of revelation works. When information hits a human spirit, you must understand that illumination must take place. Because that's the essence of the word. The word, the Bible says that the entrance of your word brings light. It is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That's the essence of the word. There must be a place of 
Illumination. Somebody say illumination. And because illumination comes to you, when we are preaching, we expect that the eyes of your understanding are enlightened to know what is the hope of your calling and what are the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of the work of God, which is at work with the, the power of God, which is at work within us. It, it, the eyes of, of the spirit must be illuminated. If your eyes are open to something, therefore, you'll always have the next step of revelation come to you. And I'm explaining that. If we are not preaching truth, the eyes of men are not open. Therefore, we are not even at the place of providing revelation. And if the eyes of men are not open, we are not doing anything. You get what I'm trying to tell you? Whatever the Lord speaks to your spirit, if indeed it is truth, it must click in your spirit that something has been said. It must light up a bulb inside your spirit. That's the essence of revelation. That's the essence of the word. It must open your eyes to something. Something must stir up in your heart. And as those things stir up, some people shout amen, some scream, some give, some shout, some dance. But the underlying picture in the head of this is very simple. Illumination. Say amen. When illumination comes in your spirit, the next thing that happens is you start to get a hunger for the inspiration of the things of the spirit. And when the inspiration of the things of the spirit starts to take course in your life, you start to have the obvious realization of your life starting to change, consonant to the word spoken. And that's where transformation is. When transformation now takes place in a man's soul, before you know it, the effect of continuing in this starts to produce manifestation of the life of Christ out of you. And people start to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was the mystery which was hid from the ages past and now revealed. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Today, because there is bad information, there is a lot of misinformation in the church today, you realize that the church has been void of power. And because the, word has, the church has been void of power, you realize that power and the word are correlated. He says they err not knowing the word and the power of God. The word and the power of God. You get what I'm trying to tell you? We can stand a good service where we can be so politically correct and speak enough things to appeal to the minds of men, but without necessarily manifesting Jesus. And men are settling for that and going back home every day. Every day. But there are still Christians. There was no day Jesus gathered men and he did nothing. You read the Gospels. There is no one day Jesus gathered men and he did nothing. It's not there. Something always took place. Why? Because we are dealing with the life of God. Now I'm going a bit deeper. I'm trying, bear with me if you're deep. That eh? I can provide also for those people who have just joined this kind of chariot. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, the church is ready to settle for, if you can speak enough, well, this guy is a good teacher. This guy is a good preacher. Man, the guy is deep. He speaks wonderful stuff. And we can accept it and say, hey, he's a good teacher. He speaks wonderful stuff, yes. But there must be a correlation between the word coming out of your spirit and the power you demonstrate. Never forget. That is what Paul says. For he says, I have preached this word in word and in deed. He says, I've preached the gospel in word and in deed. That's what the Bible says. And he says, for such now, with signs, miracles, and wonders, he says, and this, as a result, the Bible says, has caused all the Gentiles to believe. And now at the end of the line, he says, for now I have preached the gospel fully. 
The place of preaching the gospel fully is, if I carry the word in my spirit, it must produce the results. If I carry the word in my soul, it must produce the results. Be ye not deceived. You cannot say you know too much not to produce results. Oh, you cannot seek for a place to restore those you think don't know when you don't produce results. One time years ago, there were men of God, I, very sadly, who went on radio and then they started to open a program. It was called Clean the House. And they felt they were mandated to come into our country and identify all false ministers of the gospel and nail them directly on radio. For those of you who are my age remember very well or a bit older, you remember that many of those men who tried to clean their house, their houses were cleaned. You remember each one, either their ministries failed or their families failed, or they divorced or they are divorcing or they are planning to divorce. Why? They tried to clean their Restoration is of God. Are we together? But I'm, I'm going a bit deeper here. So they came into the ministry and said they want to what? To clean the house of God because they felt they had enough zeal to clean so much what was of God than God was zealous to clean. Hallelujah. But what was in the mind of these men? I can submit to you. Now we are growing to realize that they never knew better. I'll give you an example. There's a guy they call a, a false prophet. He's cult. It's not my business. I preach Christ. And they used to say, oh, this man sells water. And that's true, he sells water. And one day I am banking. I am in the bank. Eh? And a man was dealing and doing business with us. Rich guy. And then a man shipped in containers. And these containers on the way were stolen. And when the containers on the way were stolen, he went to God and said, they have stolen my containers. And they looked for them. He hired all kinds of policemen, policemen, sorry, hired all kinds of investigators and we failed to get the containers. He went to different men of God praying and he failed to get the containers. He went to the man they call false prophet. Are you hearing me? The one they call cult. And he entered the man's room and told him, I have a problem. And the man told him, hush, I know what your problem is. Do you know a gentleman called Robert? He says, yes. Robert is your best friend. But I can tell you, Robert is responsible. He connived with a little guy called Mike. They intercepted your car about 200 kilometers away from the border. They took left of a certain town. He mentioned the town. He directed him where the containers are. And he said, but you might be inconvenienced to look for him. Look for Robert, he'll take you. The man arrested Robert. Robert took the man to where the containers were. And our silly Christians are still saying, cult, if we are true, why aren't we looking for the containers? Answer me. If, if we are the ones who God knows and he speaks to us, why aren't we looking for the containers? How be it that the Lord is passing the true prophet and is going to a false guy to tell him, we must understand how the world works. Listen, there are people you'll never preach the gospel to until you manifest Christ. You, you can speak nice English, distinctive lines of knowledge. I went to Bible school this and Bible school that. That's wonderful. But there comes a time where Bible school can't sort anything. To the woman who has a child in Butabika, they don't need to know which Bible school you went to. They just need to know the Holy Ghost. 
that can get into Mutabika and get her daughter normal. To the guy who's losing his wife to cancer, they don't need to know how many Bible schools you've gone to and how many men of God know you or who you sit around. They just want to know very simply, can cancer leave my wife's body? Period. 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 Now, even the people in the world have started to realize that the church is phony. We've created and acted too much shows that people know that everything behind the pulpit is action. It is action. That is why we want lame guys here. That is why we want blind guys here. That is why we want dead men. You understand? Just that they can see life. Life. One time I prayed for a fresh broken leg and a man came to me and he says, I've been born again for many years. It's the first time I am seeing a miracle. I never believed they exist. You know how many people have been born again and they're going to die and they've never seen a miracle in their hand. They've never seen extraordinary supernatural power coming out of their system. But there's an order in the church that has provided for such men to preach an excuse for their limitation and still maintain a number that believes in them. But that time has come to an end. I'm telling you Christians, people want God. People want God. People really want God. People really want God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One time I met a Somali prophet. Somalia. Somalia. He has an underground church of about 2,000 people. They have service for 15 minutes. My God. And he told me, Ugandans are the way they are because you have too much freedom. He says, listen, look at this kind of man. He got born again. They looked for him. He went and hid in a bush with a friend. They got the friend in the bush. They cut him to pieces when he's watching. Are you hearing me? They got his wife after giving birth. They put the woman on the side, put a magazine of bullets in her and left the kid there. They cut the mother to pieces and they refused her to be buried on Somaliland. You get it? They buried the sister alive. Now even as Christians, we also say, and all those things that were count and gain, I have counted for loss. Michael I counted loss for the excellence. Yeah, and Christ for whom I suffered all things and count all things but dung, but I may mean Christ. If Michael is leaving me, even as we are preaching to them that way, Baba Michael again. And I'm thinking, wow. Compare and contrast. He said that they are sure any day. You see, they, they don't expect going to heaven by sickness. Uh-uh. They expect going to heaven by death any time. He said that when a man is living on any time, any time, any, you know any time, you can flip. Something about you changes. Now, I've seen prophets, trust me, television. I've seen Nigerian prophets, American I've seen all those guys, but none of those guys matches the prophetic anointing I saw on that man. He says, where is, where is Robert, Robert, Robert Mulenzi? You come. He says, um, grow. It grows. I've never seen anything like that. Now, we have done miracles. I've, I've, I've grown a few things, but not legs. I've not... Oh, shot a laborer. Oh! 
I say, they. It is easy to act church. It is very easy to act church. It is very easy to act the anointing. It is very easy to act the presence. Uh, and man, and what the West has done to us, a guy just folds his eyes and just. I was thinking about God today and. And then you say, yeah, God, God was telling me, God, God, God was telling me, and, and, and you know, God, and I said, eh, <laughs> eh. I want to get to a place where when I say God, <laughs> when I say God, a man will say, what, what, what did you say? What, 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 did, what did you say? Did you say God or, or did you bring God? You understand what I'm trying to tell you? That's the essence of the gospel. But the Bible says we've made his word. I mean, we, we have erred. We have erred. And when you're talking about error in the body of Christ, many people think the primary errors. Hallelujah, you stole. Huh? But let me tell you. There is no greater error in the church of Christ like the mystery of transgression. The mystery of transgression. And he says, if I build the very things I broke, or if I broke the very things I built, I make myself a transgressor. I have never seen transgression in the body of Christ like it is this day. Men build and they break. You tell a Christian you're blessed, and they say, then you tell them, you have a demon. And then they say, then, then, they, then you tell them, you're going far. Then, they say, then you tell them, you have not been going far. <laughs> One time I was live on radio, listening. I was driving home from Mukono, and from preaching. And a man of God, a very big name, by the way, he sits by the thousands. He opened his mouth and said the most painful word I'd ever heard. He quoted the scripture of Exodus. For our God is a jealous God. And he remembers the iniquity. Of the first, second generation. And third generation. The fourth. He says, to them that hate him. And he said, some of you, you are suffering because of the transgression. Of your grandfather. Hallelujah. Let's read. He says, thou shalt not bow down thyself, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Let's read. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. He spoke it so openly. So openly. And then he started to say, some of you, you have things of your mother. The demon of your grandfather. Your cousin's uncle's demon. It is the one disturbing you. And then you get the Christian in New Testament tell, if a man is a new creature, if the man is born again, the Bible says he's a new creation. The old is past. And now the new. Then you say, no, no, no. Even though, and sadly, there's another one, a great apostle I've heard in Kampala. He said, in Luganda, and I'll translate it, he says, Translated as, even when you get born again, there are things you cross with. 
new creation. New creation. New creation. You cross with what? What do you cross with? I almost wanted to call on that radio and say, Sir, if we cross with things, then the blood of Jesus can't do enough. Listen, when I cross, I cross with Christ only. He says, For the prince of this world has nothing. Nothing in me. Nothing. Nothing. And when I was reading the scripture in Exodus, the spirit of the Lord back in the day told me what was wrong with his men. They left out the weightier issues. What are the weightier issues? Because every man that speaks in the spirit of religion always leaves out the weightier issues. That's the spirit of religion. It seeks to get men bound. And this was a fact. The line says of them that hate me. Yet the Bible says to the Christian that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That means Christians can't hate God. It's not there. Oh, if they hate, can we still go lower and realize that the blessing is to a thousand generations? Why don't they talk about the blessing of a thousand generations? Okay, I killed and you're to curse my child. And then I get born again. You don't only bless my child, but a thousand generations. Listen, if Jesus is not yet back, eh, there's something that your child is going to be. Not because they prayed. In Isaiah 54, he says, and your children shall I teach, and their peace shall be many. I am sure that the children's children, who, the children seated in your loins right now, they are attending Fanero. When you say the men, they also say the men. Ah. If if God can tell Sarah you have you shall have a child, eh? And and and, and she laughs, and then he says you shall call him Isaac for he laughs. You you didn't laugh because of unbelief. You you think it was unbelief? No, but you laughed because I said you shall have a laughter. Ah. That your unbelief, your, your unbelief is too small to his faith. He says, for even if we believe not, the Bible says, he stays faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He's even ready to cement your weakness. And know that Abraham doubted, but he says, and Abraham staggered not. Yet he knows he staggered, but he's ready to cover that and say, no, you didn't stagger. You can't stagger. Even the place of staggering is still faith. Hallelujah. So when Sarah laughs in unbelief, I'm thinking God is going to come with a stick and say, Sarah, why did you laugh? But you see how God is dealing with them. As men who are not under the law. He says, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And then Sarah says, no, I did not laugh. And God says, but you laughed. As if they are like friends, but you laughed. Anyway, what were we talking about? He ignored. He ignored. Can we read? Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am waxed and old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being also old also. Next verse. And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which I'm old? Next verse. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? 
At the time appointed, I'll return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Next verse. Next verse. Then Sarah denied. And she says, I love not, for she was afraid. And he said, nay. But thou did laugh. What's the next verse? Did we see punishment? And the men arose from things. Sarah was expecting anger. God was telling her, look, you're not under the law. I have no business. Question. Did Sarah die a liar? There's a mystery there. Did Sarah die a liar? She did not die a liar. Some people think that when God overlooks sin and a man who are not under the law, he's promoting it. You're mistaken. The Bible says that the goodness of God, Romans 2, 4, leadeth men to repentance. Not the anger. God can be so good that he'll cause you to repent. That's what love is. That's what love is. But when you preach a goodness to cause men to repent, no, they want anger. Because some people don't differentiate between God's grace and their grace. I can even abuse you now and you turn on me. God is not like you. Hallelujah. So the man said, generation, ay, ay, ay. Then he started to build on that. Then he started to connect. And let me tell you, those things can be true. I had a disease. My dad had a disease. His grandfather had a disease. You can connect and say, eh? What was on my father's come on me. But that is because you lack knowledge. Not because you have a generational curse on you. No. The Bible says in Jeremiah, And they shall not say that the father have eaten of bitter fruits and the children's teeth are set on the edge. He said, no. Whoever sins shall die his own sin. You're not responsible of your grandmother's witchcraft. That's your grandmother. That's her. Let us deal with our God. He said, this saying shall not be said in Israel. It shall not be said that the fathers ate bitter fruits and their children's teeth are set on the edge. But you're suffering because your mother did. Listen, if your mother did witchcraft, that's her witchcraft. Let her marry it until the Lord delivers her. It's not yours. I'm serious. But Christians up to today, they are still In the spirit realm, they're like a man who is drunk on water. God is like, eh? Are you really drunk? Because you drank water. Well, watch the day. Hallelujah. And many such things, the Bible says, have you continued to do? Many such things. But the church of Christ is growing out of that nonsense. I'm telling you. Some people have been earning money by delivering summons. Let me tell you. I was telling people, I wish you met us. Even us, we one time did those things. And people used to vomit things and then they say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. the man of God is anointed. The man of God is anointed. So, if, if it's that level, and I thank God he anointed us early. If it is that level, we can also cast out things and you vomit. People say, ah, yeah. But still, it doesn't deliver the Christian. The place of deliverance is simple. Knowledge. 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 Period. Now, 
We're entering into an epic battle in the body of Christ. And the lines are going to be drawn on men who know and men who don't know. And I must warn you. I must warn you. We are not going to contend and fight each other as a church or as bodies of Christ, as a body of Christ. Let whoever should fight you fight you. That's not your business. We're going to preach the gospel. Period. Period. Now, the spirit world is ranked. Now I'm going deep. If you have not understood up to now, I pity you. The spirit world is ranked. You understand? And the rankings of the spirit come along with the validations of glory. Oh God. When, when God has ranked a man, huh, either by reason of diligence or by reason of the gifting of God upon their life, whether you want it or not, the rankings are there. You understand? And the rankings of God deal with the judgments of God pertaining the affairs of his, and events that surround the life of the Christian compared with the other Christian. Don't ever forget that. You're ranked against others. Never forget that. I'll give you a simple example. Jesus stands in front of Peter and tells him, Peter, I see the devil sieve you like wheat. If a man is watching and Jesus stopped on that statement, you'd think, ah, yeah, Peter is not the guy to follow. Peter is not the guy to follow. Why? Because the devil, he, listen, he's going to be sieved like wheat. He's already exposed. Already, the life of Peter cannot be trusted to build on the foundation of the gospel and the church, particularly the church. He's denying the Lord. He's called to the circumcised. He dies in the uncircumcised in Rome. You get it? He, he's at the resurrection. He's the first one to doubt. You see? He, he doesn't have the right qualities. But I want to show you something. Jesus tells him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sieve you as wheat. Look at the ranking. Very simple. The devil is coming. Now, if I'm in the same congregation, I'm thinking, eh, Peter is in danger. But me, I'm hurry. <laughs> me, I'm what? Hurry. I've not done anything. Are you hearing me? There are men like Matthias. The scriptures tell you they were faithful stewards up to the end. Matthias was never recorded having done one thing as a mistake. But he was still refused to be regarded in the twelve. And God regarded Judas. And he knows Judas has money issues and he makes him keep money. Why don't you think like him? Are you hearing me? Why do I trust a man with money, yet he has money issues? He tells him, I see Satan has desired to have you, that he may save you. But look at the next line, ranking him, 32. But I have prayed for thee, that thine faith fail thee not. And when thou art converted, strengthen. Meaning other guys are going to fall also. <laughs> I see you falling. But when you fall and come back, strength, restore those guys also coming to fall. Meaning, when they say, Peter, you're going to fall, don't you want now? If you are in Peter's group, you must understand you're also among them. 
But there's a guy he trusts to come out earlier. There are things that you will go through. And you'll see Peter and say, ah, maybe, just maybe you're coming in the same soup. He's just gotten in and he's going to come out earlier. That by the time you're in, his business is simple. Strengthen. That's the essence of restoration. If a man is overtaken by four, let you who are spiritual, spiritual, not carnal, restore such a man. The ministry of the church is restoration, not a shaming. Restoration, not talking about each other. Restoration, not writing about each other. Restoration, not going on television. Restoration, not going on radio. The Bible says that the first and second admonishing of a man, if indeed he be a wrong minister, regard him a heretic. Men rebuke who they don't admonish. They go in the newspapers and regard heretic of men they've not spoken of. Or even had. Or even had. And even Christians are also going into that folly. Why? Because the bigger issues that matter in the church are not mattering. I know what can keep a congregation now. You just have to step onto their need. Because you see, they have never had a place where God has ministered to their need. They always need. But let me tell you, we've been crafty. We know how to be crafty. Me, you just make me open one line. That's enough. Yes, why not Chagamba? Bible Gamu come and Agamba. Now we call you no Kubako Chogamba. Well, I yes, Wagamba. Now you know Kubako Chogamba. Gamble while your business is on Tisiak Terera. Gamble while it on Temirimucho Tijak Terera. Gamba Nabolwarero. Temirimucho Chichakutera. Then they sweat. I can preach it deeper than them. We've been there. It's time for the church to sit and really learn Jesus. Bible gamba ntao Yesu na agenda. Gamba kulira nyo inokubako wogenda. O inokubako wogenda. Ofe musigo kwebo kejo genda. Ofe mukamolo kaka kaka dewe kejo genda. Simanyo banyina kwenjo gera na ye. No, listen, listen, that's wonderful. But it's not growing church. He just mentioned one line. Where was Jesus going? Was he going out of a rental? Was he walking out of a broken relationship? Divine assignment, brother.
come back. What? Anyway, allow me to preach. Allow me to preach. Allow me to preach. You understand? How can one line grow a Christian? How can two lines grow a Christian? They are growing, they are producing children, they are giving birth, even their children are growing up under that kind. You ask a Christian, what is the mystery of godliness? Huh? 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 Mystery? Echama chokwa katonda chechi. And he says, Echama. Echama chokwa katonda. Then you tell Mogenda where Woo! They get slain. They get slain by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because they are going to London to clean shoes. Listen, God is going to bless you here. He's going to increase you here. He's going to multiply you here. Because you don't need to go to America. You just need God. The Bible says, and the man grew so great until he became very great. Until the king of the land came and told him, get out of us for you have become bigger than us. One man with God became bigger than the whole kingdom. One man with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now when we go in the test stations, oh, let me not go there. If we go in the real reason why we don't see God in the church, you'd be so shocked. We don't know God. We do not have knowledge. We do not have knowledge. And people in the church are not ready to pay the price of knowledge. Even the ignorant ones are selling it. The Bible says, sell not truth, but buy it. That means you can invest in what's true, but don't intend to sell what's true. Because it has its balances from above. So I'm saying that the rankings of the spirit were obvious. And because the rankings are there, there are certain things that if a man has studied church history, they ought to understand that the only way not to repeat it is knowing exactly the patterns of church history. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Enter the average life of a Christian who has been born again for 10 years and ask them how much they know. You'll be so surprised what they know. But because the Bible says all the ways of a man seem rightful, it means every man thinks they know. But let me tell you something. This is how I judge knowledge. Illumination, inspiration, after inspiration, realization, after realization, transformation, after transformation, manifestation. You manifest what you claim to know. But today you find a man having 10 member church, equipping pastors to have a thousand member churches. It's It's happening in Uganda. You get it? The man is poor and he's teaching the principles of finances. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
If you're poor, don't ever stand in front of our pulpit to preach money. Don't, don't, don't. Okay, preach there. Not here. Not here. I'm telling you. Paul says, I would rather speak of the things Christ has wrought. He first works it in me and therefore I speak it. If he has not worked it in me, what audacity do I have? Except to dissipate the spirit. That's one line I've seen we dissipate the spirit therein. If it's not working in my life, what business do I have testifying and teaching it? How will it work to the man if it doesn't have the exponential power of its experiences? Hallelujah. And therefore, I preach what manifests in my life. The more I see healing, the more I think I can preach healing. If I do not see healing, I will learn from the man who heals. I must be humble to learn from him who heals. Now you find a poor man. He can't even listen to Mr. Zakaran. He can't. Yet he's poor. But I realize very, very easily it's called the veil of the flesh. So the Bible says every time Moses is being read, the veil covers their faces. When a man has been covered face all years, he doesn't know any glory except veiled faces. That's the essence of Jesus. Just that he might remove the veil and show you who you are. Uganda is third world country because of the church. Don't blame anyone. We are not third world because of these corrupt officials. Look at the other day I was sitting with Obahu and we listed the top officials of our government and we could realize literally 90% of them had Christian parents and practicing Christianity. They had reverend fathers. But they're stealing the most in our nation. Their parents laid down a foundation. You see, let me tell you, even when you're a father, I'll tell you the truth. Solomon was the rightful heir to David. You must understand this. Because of divine election. David cooling Uriah was just rushing a plan that God was going to execute anyway. Why? Because it was appointed that Bathsheba was to be the mother of Solomon, which is the king. Are you with me? There are many things David taught his father, I mean David taught his son Solomon. He learned many things. But there's one thing David did not teach Solomon. Honoring the presence of God. He learned many things. But he didn't know how to honor the presence. So when he tells him, Luke 8, 11, that your seed shall build the temple. He raised the seed that they know how to honor the person of God. And that indifference is what crept him in one and cut off connection from counsel. The Bible says he refused to listen to the counsel of the men who ruled with his father. And he listened to the counsel of his men of the same level. Solomon is responsible for the split up and division of the tribes of Israel. Yet he's called a man of wisdom. That's why there was necessity that a man with greater wisdom come, which is Christ. Now... I've had Christians say, give me the wisdom of Solomon. And I say, God, this one, they have a problem. The Bible says, and the queen of the south shall judge you. For she came and heeded to the wisdom of Solomon. But it says, but one with greater wisdom is come. 
which is Christ. Now, if the one with greater wisdom is come, and this is the mystery that was hid from the ages, Pastor now revealed Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you realize that the one with greater wisdom is in you? Question, how can you be poorer than Solomon? Yes, how can you be poorer than the one who had less wisdom? If in her hand are riches and treasures and life everlasting in wisdom's hand. So the book of Proverbs says, how can you be poorer than Solomon? That means that the average Christian is supposed to be richer than King Solomon. You see, I told you. Hallelujah. 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 But he did not teach Solomon the basic line of knowing God and honoring his presence. That is why it was easy for Solomon to bring another God inside that temple. David could not have done that. And that is why when a man is teaching his child, the first wisdom they give them is the fear of the Lord. It's the principal thing. The reverence of God. The principal thing. The fact that the Holy Ghost is amidst you. Honor that. Because it's the source of everything. He is the reason why we come. If you do not honor the Holy Spirit, Christians, you go to churches. A guy can sit in the back there and chew bubble gum and even start hitting manda on a kagar. If I read it, papa, papa, in church, in church. Then the Muslim comes in his mosque. They don't talk nothing. Nothing. But our Christians, money, they can even call each other in church then they go outside and say then they also come back in the presence of God oh, Christians <laughs> and then they say those ones are going to hell yes but there is more HIV in Christian nations than Arab nations there is more marriage in Arab nations than Christian nations there is more money in Arab nations than Christian nations. See, <laughs> Listen, a guy facing a certain direction is not supposed to have more than you. Because you face the direction. And he said you shall be the heads and not the tail. It should disturb you. If you sit in the same class and a Muslim kid beats you, it should disturb your head. How? Why? He has been made your wisdom, your redemption. He's been your... The Bible says, in whom I hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That means what you know is enough to beat any guy. Why are Christians still beggarly? This is the truth. This is the truth. If you can't manifest what you claim to teach, trust me, you don't know. You don't know. And better sit and learn. Trust me. Me, that's my principle. If I can't manifest it, I don't know. I must learn from a man who manifests it. Period. Don't be too proud. Uh-uh. 
Obacho chikola, nonya chikola. That's that's the simplest way. Kale, nonya long cut gena kupra mountain. But let me tell you, if you know a guy who knows, period. Period. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. So now, when we get to the place of the price that men must pay to really preach the message, you realize that many men are not really actually preaching the message. They are busy bodies. You know, Paul was different. <laughs> he spoke of men who truly labor ministry, and he spoke of men who are called busy bodies. A man who you can see doing, some people, they can do. And then you say, Mama, had worker. Yet, to God, they're a busy body. Why? Because by divine assignment, they were not supposed to usher. They feared the deeper call. They feared the deeper call. They settled for the comfort zone. And, and we call that what? Also, ministry. But it's not. Hallelujah. Because let me tell you, I always tell people, the giftings and callings of God are without repentance. But the assignment is. If you fail to do, God will get another one to do. Can't you I don't know why. Bigger picture. He has to fulfill his purpose on earth. We are not going to wait for you to respond. No. He will wait for another. And that's why I realized that certain men who just snip into assignments that were not entirely theirs, but they were the available ones. The place where God says, I looked for a man. That point where he starts to look for. For a man to stand in the gap. He, he got to a point where he just needed one guy to do it. And the man availed himself. Now, there's a grace that comes with men who avail themselves even though not originally in the manuscript, by gift and call. Those men will operate in the gift because it must provide for the assignment. Are you hearing me? Those men will operate in offices because they must provide for the assignment. Bigger picture to God, assignment must be fulfilled. Enter Christians today and see whether they know. And that satisfaction to know that this is my assignment the place that won't want you to seek to go ahead of another because you feel that the highest spot of ministry is the pulpit. Let me correct you. No. No. That's why when you read the scriptures, you read two men, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas is translated as one who is strong but can yield. That's the meaning of Barnabas. Also you call, the Bible says in the book of Acts, the son of consolation. The son of consolation. But the deepest root of the ministration on Barabbas, the Bible says, he's the one that has much but giveth more over. That means he had the ability to have done many things, but he passed it on to another by reason of the strength to contain the power and anointing on his life because he believed in a better. I'm only trying to tell you that the best ministers are not the men on the pulpit. Some of them are people you'll see in the back seated doing nothing. But brother, they know and are mature in the things of the spirit. When you met Priscilla and Aquila, you'd think they were men who came, people who came to learn. When they speak to Apollos, a man fervent in spirit and mighty in what? The Bible says they showed him the greater way. That's when you realize that Priscilla and Aquila were deeper than just men who ministered water to the apostolic. They knew God. But you never saw Priscilla and Aquila once standing in the church at Jerusalem to exhort. Why? Because they honored the ranking on James. 
Barnabas and Paul knew the grace message way before James. When Paul got it, the Bible says, I conferred to no man. He revealed it to me from Arabia, three years in Damascus. He says, I went now to the apostle Peter. Fifteen days I abode with him. And then after that, I went to James. And he says, and to no other apostle I spoke. Why is it that he has received the mystery of the grace message, but he does not spread it around saying, ah, those guys, they are nothing. Me, I am everything. He, look at me. No, he had to look for men he knew had a ranking. Because whether you want it or not, Jerusalem would never listen to Paul when Peter is speaking. They would not. He had his mandate and legal authority set because it was given to him to the circumcised. Paul would never beat Peter in Jerusalem. He can do it in Antioch, but not Jerusalem. And Peter was even badder. He went to the Gentile church and still preached anyway. So even though Paul has the abundance of revelation, he understood the maturity of Galatians 2 too. How? I went up by revelation and communicated unto them the mysteries which are of God, but firstly to those of reputation, lest I run my race in vain. Because men can run races in vain by not first submitting to the powers to whom they go to minister. A man enters a meeting, he doesn't even know how much they know. He assumes he knows more than they know because they called him to preach. Then he starts his arrogant teaching. By the time he's done, Actually, he has demonstrated ignorance. Am I speaking to somebody? Do you know many Christians who don't hear God assume everyone doesn't know God except them? Until they meet people who know God. And then they regret, why did I even open my mouth? A man comes in a meeting, not to receive, no, but to scrutinize, criticize. Mm, Let's see, I hear about this. Then he's writing notes, and let me see, mature. Immature. Two mistakes out of... Listen. 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 Submit your ministry to every man you ever find. If you find him the set man of the house, do that. Do that. One time I was in Mukono. A man whom God was ministering, a spirit of divination sat on a girl. You! The Lord is saying! In the middle of service, I said, Naimukama. Does she realize that there is a set man in the house whom the Lord has given the grace to shepherd the sheep? You're not the shepherd. I said, you spirit, shut up. And she fell down like a cavera boa. But she was prophesying. I take accurate things only. But you see, when you understand the mystery of his love and his faithfulness toward men, the mind that he has, not imputing sin but righteousness on men, you would ask yourself one thing. I'll give you an example. If the Lord shows you a man who stole yesterday, and this man went into a place and said, God, I feel bad, and starts to beat himself over having stolen. And then the next day, God shows it to a prophet. What is God doing? Why would God simply show it to you, prophet? Do you realize that the things he's showing you are not what the man has done in the black book? Do you see your part now? But I used to go to churches. One time, I, a prophet called a girl up. The girl came. You slept with the man this Thursday. And then she fell down and cried. And I said, God, this is not you. This is not you. This is not you. Love covers a multitude of sins. It covers, it covers, 
There are things God tells. That's why some of you, when I said to professor, I realize that some people I call, and then I don't talk of, I talk of my. Tell the brother, brother, you're burning. I says, yeah. I say, okay, God deliver you. Yeah. And we're cool. You, you think I just prophesied the car in his life. But love does what? Covers a multitude of sins. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now when Barnabas and Paul walk together, you realize that even when you read the church, the, the church from the time, the first time the church heard that believers in Antioch was there, the first person they, that came to their mind was Barnabas, not Paul. Paul was not in the mixture. No. Barnabas had preeminence over even in the book of Acts 13, in the separation, the spirit said, separate me, Barnabas. In fact, it even called Paul soul. It means he's still a bit immature, but separate him for me for the work of ministry. And the separation ensued. I want to show you something. Acts 13. Let's go. And how we have called them, verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them, and then they sent what? Them away. Next verse. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed to Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Next verse. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John to their minister. I want to show you something. Next verse. Next verse. And when they had gone through the isle and to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was but Jesus. Next verse. Which was with the duty of the country, Sages Pilas, which was the deputy, sorry, of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. I want to show you Barnabas and Saul were called. Eh? Barnabas and Saul in that order. Barnabas and Saul. Call me Pastor Grace and Apostle Pastor Isaiah and Apostle Grace. You get the order? You get the order? Do you get the order? Do you realize that at the separation it was also separate me? Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. I will pray by the Spirit, but I'll pray by the understanding also. So the prayer of understanding is secondary to the primary prayer of the Spirit. And the love first mention is important. Why did God put Barnabas before Paul? Barnabas was the silent spirit, but yet deep. You get it? Yet he ministered alongside who? But some of you, by the end of these few minutes I have, you'll understand why I've come this way. Eh? Bear with me. Uh-huh. But Elimas the sorcerer, for his name by, by interpretation, which stood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Next verse. And said, O full of subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, without not cease not to pervert the right ways of the Lord. Next verse. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the son of a season. Immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. And he went about seeking some, lay, some to lead him by the hand. He became blind instantly. Are we together? Next verse. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now Paul and his company, loose from Paphos, they came to Phaga and Pamphylia, and John departed. That's the point where John leaves them. John Mark. That's the point where John Mark leaves. Question, why did John leave? There's a way John saw the mystery of how Paul dealt with Elymas. And there was something that entered John's spirit. Even though he was ministering them. Why? He always knew signs, miracles, and wonders. But this time he saw judgment. On a man of grace. He said, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha. He went. 
Now the scriptures now later tell us in 15 that one time Paul tells Barnabas, let's go and visit the churches in Galatia to see how far they've gone. Huh? And the Bible tells us that as they went, Paul says, no, John, the Bible says Barnabas found it expedient that he would carry along who? John Mark. And the Bible says that they had a big steer. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Pertaining who? John Mark. And then they quarreled. Paul and Barnabas continued in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Next verse. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit the brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Uh And Barnabas determined to take with them who? Whose surname was? But Paul thought not good. The word there for not good is, the word not good, the word good there is axio. He said not fitting. Paul didn't see it befitting. Now I'm going to come to that a bit in a few minutes. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them. Who departed from them from Pamphylia and not went with them to the work. Next verse. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Let me tell you what these two men didn't know. There is each one of, you see, it's one thing eh, when you judge a matter without understanding the mind of the spirit. These men never understood each other and I'm going to explain. This is how Barnabas viewed Paul. And this is how some Christians are. Because some Christians are like that. Eh? Little Mark left us when we did miracles in Pamphylia. He refused to go with us. You, Paul, you have a problem that little Mark has refused to go with us. But you, you persecuted the church. I personally got you from their hands. The hands of your haters and introduced you to Jerusalem. The son of consolation. You owe me more accountability to to refuse a boy because he abandoned us. Yet for you, you persecuted the church and the church forgave you. Paul, you don't understand grace. And on that matter, he's right. Because Paul, sincerely, John Mark has not killed anyone. He just abandoned you. But for you, you look too annoyed. Over who am I speaking to? For you, you look too annoyed. Not to see John Mark. Yet you, you persecuted the church. You even claim in Philippians, you persecuted the church and wasted it. But do they what? They forgave you. How can you not extend? In fact, that's what the Bible calls the unforgivable sin. The sin of unforgiveness. If you're here and there's somebody you've not forgiven, trust me, you're wasting your time praying. Even if you're under grace, you must forgive. Tell your neighbor, you must forgive. You must forgive. Let's go deeper. So on this side, I respect what Paul is and what Barnabas is standing for. He's saying, let's not stop to believe in this guy because he has screwed up. I'm like big daddy and uncle. I'm a spiritual father, the true one who can stand with a man in amidst all mistakes. But when you also go in the mind of Paul, you realize that the word there, it did not good. The word there is axial. It is not befitting. It is not suitable. Paul must have had a mind of the next missionary journey and the next necessary man to go there. And divine assignment proved it so that later on, Paul went with Cyrus and then Barnabas went with 
John Mark. But on the bigger picture, when Paul says he doesn't see it fit, he didn't say he doesn't see it good. No, he didn't see it fit. Maybe, just maybe, there is something he has seen on little John that John cannot handle in the next move. Are you hearing me? And he's trying to save little John from a harm that also Barnabas could also be fighting over because he has had that weakness and never saw the weakness in Paul. Ah, Galatians chapter 2. The Bible speaks of an experience. He says that in Antioch, at a witch stood who? Peter. Let's read that. What which verse is this? Fourth, fifth? Galatians. Ogende wero mwaka guno. Mukama inacha gendo kukolam. Hallelujah. Are we there? Uh-huh. Let's read. But when Peter was at Antioch, he says, I withstood him face to face. Because he was what? To blame. Listen. Next verse. For before that, certain, certain came from James. Certain people from Jerusalem. Jews came from James. Give me the message version of this. Give me the message version of this. He says, here's the situation earlier. Before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. Are you hearing? But when the conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends because the law could not allow the Jews to eat with. That's why I I don't understand a Gentile who is under the law. Do you know the law was not for Gentiles? I failed to understand it. Are we together? So the Bible says, he put a distance. He cautiously pulled back and put much as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that has been pushing the old system of circumcision. He was fearful. Next verse. And fortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along the chariot. Now, Paul remembers a story one time when they find them eating, when he finds guys eating, and he realizes Peter did not only screw up, but also Barnabas was among the guys who joined that hypocrisy. So he knows Barnabas for a fact is strong in the faith. He's a spiritual father, but there are certain places he can't go. Why? Because he fears the conservative group. Now, do you know why Barnabas is now fighting for little Mark? Because this account happened before the Mark experience. The Mark experience was they were going back to visit again. This one was the first time they were visiting. You get it? Now, the problem with this is here. Barnabas has a story to relate with John Mark. Because if you understand the scriptures, you realize that this happened before the experience of John Mark. Cliffhanger. So he's also remembering a time when he what? He feared the conservative line. Now he can sympathize with little John. When little John fears a harder line of ministry. Now allow him. You see, Paul is saying it's not fit because he realizes Barnabas and John have something in nature. They believe this thing, but they have a place where they can end. By now, Ebakoma. Over who am I speaking to? I... <laughs> I'm sorry if it is a bit different from what you... So, do you see that Paul is different? Now, Paul 
cannot understand the hypocrisy. Because in Acts 13, the Bible says, him and Barnabas stood bold. Let me show it to you. Acts 13. Begin from uh, 38 verse. This was Paul preaching. And when any preached, verse 42. Okay, let's begin with 38. Give me the message version of that. 38, verse 38. Are we there? Be it known, 38, message. This is Paul's preaching. I want you to know, my very dear friends, that it is on account of this resurrection, Jesus, that the forgiveness of your sins can be promised. None of your works. Next verse. He accomplishes in those who believe everything that the law of Moses could never make good on. But everyone who believes in this raised up Jesus is declared good and right and whole before God. You see the message Paul is speaking. Next verse. Don't take this lightly. You don't want the prophet someone to describe you. Watch out, cynics. Look hard, watch your heart. Look hard, watch your world fall to pieces. I'm doing something right before your eyes that you won't believe, so it's staring you in the face. Next verse, verse 32. When the service was over, look at this. Paul and Barnabas were invited back to preach again the next Sabbath. Why? Because they were preaching the grace. They were preaching a place where men are not regarded who they are by what they do or by obedience of the law, but by reason of one thing believing on the Lord Jesus. You see what brought them back? Next verse. As the meeting broke up, a good many Jews and converts to Judaism went along with Paul and Barnabas, who asked them in long conversations to stick with what they had started, this living in God by God's grace. Next verse. When the next Sabbath came around, practically the whole city showed up to hear the word of God. Some of the Jews seeing the crowds ah, went wild with jealousy and tore into Paul contradicting everything he was saying, making an ugly scene. It's not new. Next verse. But Paul and Barnabas, the Bible says, they didn't back down. Standing their ground, they said, it was required that God's word be spoken. First of all, to you, the Jews. But seeing that you want no part in it, you've made it quite clear that you have no taste or inclination for eternal life. The door is open to all the outsiders, and we are now through it. They say preaching to the Gentile community. And the Gentile was hearing, and the numbers were multiplying. The numbers were multiplying. Let me tell you. The same people will not hate you because you're bad. They'll just hate you because you're big. Period. You know, some of you are planning. Let me also add this on. When you say, I want to be rich, plan to be hated. Plan, oh, plan men to speak certain things about you. You understand? The moment men start to say, Oh, you're not like you Just. I have a church member. Somebody brought a rumor to me on the desk. I told me, you see, I want to warn you with your church member. She sells her body. She has a lot of money. Now, he didn't know the church member had told me what she does for business. I went and told a woman, they're saying you're selling your body. And then she laughed and I told her, next time when they come to you, just tell them come. They come and I teach you how to also make money out of selling your body. Bring them to Fanero. Are we together? Are we together? That was when the real split between Paul and Barnabas started. Barnabas was a strong spiritual guy, but he didn't have the muscle to stand in certain places. Paul, on the other hand, could do anything, could risk on the pulpit. But this was in its own simplicity. Barnabas should have understood Paul, and Paul should have understood Barnabas. That they would have been good. Are we together? But the place where we compromise the gospel... 
to make certain men happy. And I must warn you, you say, hey, but this is far. It's not far. It is more serious than you think. There is a reason why Peter can walk on water, but the same minute, deny our Lord. The guy walked on water. The guys who stayed in the boat, they denied God. But the guy walked on water. Two steps can say, ah, I don't know him. He says those things. Our brother Paul, me, I am not there. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? He speaks nice words. They are hard to understand. That is our brother Paul. But sooner or later, the bigger picture was this one thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ was not yet understood. And therefore, what was like the gospel had filled the scene. And many men thought it was the gospel. And I want to submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, before November blessing, that that very experience is about to happen in the church of Christ. Men are not going to be divided because they don't pray together. But men are going to be divided because of an old system that must die. Period. 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 Let me show you one thing and we go. Galatians 2. Why, why? Let me just read for you something in the message. Why he withstood Paul. Uh-huh. Next verse. Next message. But when I saw that they were not maintaining a steady straight course according to the message, I spoke out to Peter in front of them all. He says, if you are Jew, live like a non-Jew when you're not being observed by the watchdogs from Jerusalem. What right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression of your old Jerusalem colonies? Cronies, next line. We Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. Do, do, do you see that? Did you see that? Do you see what is getting Paul caned? Paul is saying Jews and Gentiles are equal before God. It was the mystery that was hid from the ages past. Now reveal Christ in either the Jew or the Gentile. Some of you think, the other day I found a woman saying, let's pray for Israel. I realized that, she realized that also Israel is me. I've been grafted in, brother. I've been grafted in. He's saying pray for also Christians. Anyway, let's continue. Let's continue. Don't, don't leave, leave my Galatians. I want to finish. We know, listen to Paul, very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping. But by only through personal faith in Jesus. How do we know? We tried it. We had the best system of rules in the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement. We believed in Jesus as the Messiah. So that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah. Not trying to be good. We tried it. This is from men who tried it. They tried to be good and they failed. Next verse. Have some of you noticed... That we are not yet perfect. Is anybody perfect here? In works? He says, No! Great surprise, right? And are you ready to make the accusation that since people like me, Paul, go through Christ, preach the grace, in order to get things right with God, aren't perfectly virtuous, Christ must have therefore been an accessory to sin. That accusation is frivolous. He's saying, if, if you're saying that I'm preaching sin, are you perfect? You who's preaching the law? Have you stopped stealing and lying? You haven't. So, what's the point? Next verse. 
If I was trying, listen, to be good, I'll be rebuilding the same old band that I tore down. I would be acting as a chatterland. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God and it didn't work. Many people understand this. You might, you might read this off the book, but you look into your personal life. The day you say, I won't steal, is the day you stole. I won't masturbate, is the day you did it. I won't, this time I won't look at her, is the day you actually looked at her more. You tried. But you failed. Who understands what I'm saying? You tried. And he says, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God. It didn't work. So, he says, I quit being eh? So that I could be? Listen, read. Christ's life showed me how. It enabled me to do it. You see how he did it? The life of Christ enables you how. And shows you how. Listen, remove the law and give men Christ. He's the only one who never knew sin. He's the only one who can sit in them and not know. Listen, the place of Christ was not that he sinned not. No, the place of Christ was he never knew it. Ah. Who am I speaking to? The place of Jesus. The place of Jesus was not that he tried not to. No, the Bible says he was tempted in all ways. But yet he sinned not. Why? Because he didn't know how to. It's like you getting your little child, two years, and then you tell them, baby, steal. Uh, Ruth, steal. Uh, because Ruth doesn't know stealing. Ah, Let's go a bit deeper and to finish. He says, Christ's life showed me how. And enabled me to do it. How? He says, I identified myself completely with him. You see identity. Christ is not a thief. What do I do? I identify myself with him and I say I'm not a you see, you see the difference do you see the difference they don't identify with God they identify with men tell your neighbor identify with Jesus listen the Bible says I identified myself completely with him and he says indeed I have been crucified with Christ he says my ego is no longer central it's no longer important ha, that I appear righteous before you. Oh, have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress even God. No. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine. But it is lived by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Next verse. I am not, listen, I love this. It says, I'm not going to go back on that. Is, is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule keeping peer pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? Listen. I refuse. Tell your neighbor, refuse. Tell your neighbor, refuse. Listen. To do that. Listen to Paul. Listen to Paul. He says, I refuse to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God, listen, could come by rule keeping, then Christ died for nothing. 
If you think that you, by not stealing, not lying, you're going to have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus died for nothing. This is the simplest way to the relationship with Jehovah God. Christ. Next verse. Next verse. You know, when I delay, they also delay. Don't worry. We have already entered verse 3, chapter 3, but some of you don't already know. You see how it flows. Then he tells them, you crazy Galatians. Did someone bewitch you, put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Next verse. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? How? How? When you became born again, did you first cleanse yourself? No, they told us, just as I am without one plea. I don't have an excuse. But the thine blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee all that's how you came. That's how you came. Do you know why men are not getting born again? They need, they need to first cleanse themselves. I need to first leave alcohol. No, listen. Come with your drug. Just come with it. Come high. And say, I receive the Lord. That is how salvation works. Don't first put your house in order to get to Jesus. No. Come the way you are. He knows how to deal with these problems. Next verse. He asked them a question. He says, are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? How? If you couldn't begin salvation, how do you think you can <laughs> respect salvation? Are you the one who died for yourself? No! If you didn't start it, brother, don't end it. Listen, next verse. Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss. But it certainly will be if you keep this up. Next verse. Answer this question. Does God, listen to this, who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his spirit, working things in your life you could never do for yourself, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving? Or because you trust him to do it? Next verse. Don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed and the act of belief was turned into a life that was right. You see, you see how the consequence works. You believe it's turned into an action, an act, and life that works. The moment you say, I believe in Jesus, something starts to leave you. Because you identify yourself with a life that never failed. Listen, get the guy in you who didn't do sin. You'll stop sinning. But preach this man out by the law. You will sin more. Next verse. Uh-huh. It's not obvious 
to you that persons who put their trust in Christ, brackets, not persons who put their trust in the law, are like Abraham, children of faith. Next verse. It was all laid out beforehand in the scripture that God would set things right with non-Jews by faith. Scripture anticipated this in the promise to Abraham. All nations will be blessed. Next verse. So those who now live by faith are blessed along with who this is no next verse. And that means that anyone who tries to live by his own effort eh, independent of God is doomed to failure. Scripture backs this up. Utterly cast is every person who fails to carry out every detail written in the book of the law. Cast is he that does not fulfill. No, it says, cast is he that is under the works of the law. The curses changed the line from men who have stolen and took on the face of men who obeyed the law. Give me King James. You watch it. Give me King James of that. He says, for as many as, as of the works of the law, some of you are saying curse of your father. Uh-uh. There is a curse on men who are on the works of the law. There are men who are not stealing, but they are under a curse. They are not lying, but they are under a curse. They are doing everything right, but they are under a curse. That's very funny. I used to think that curses were on men who stole. Because that's what they preach to you. To maintain a life of you not stealing. Such that you can maintain a life of thinking you're right. Such that you actually fall in the curse. Because the New Testament has one word. Cursed. It doesn't have curses. It doesn't pluralize the word curse. Because there's only one curse in the New Testament dispensation. The curse of men who are under the works of the law. It's the only one. Next verse. Message. I want to finish. 11. The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by what? By, by over refusing to... No. He does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God has done for you. Very simple. We don't do things for God. No. We enter into what he has done for us. Habakkuk had it right. The person who believes God is set right by God. And that's the real life. Next verse. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith. But only perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping. A fact observed in scripture. The one who does these things, rule keeping, continues to live in them. The more you say, I won't steal. More rules come. More rules. You stop from I won't steal to I will not steal money. To I will not steal money in the dark. To I will not steal money in the dark on Sunday. To I will not steal money in the dark on Sunday with my wife. To I will not steal money in the dark on the Sunday with my wife. My nurse calling. My cousin. Quick. Ah. Ah. Next verse. Christ. Oh. Christ. Not your pastor. Christ. Not apostle. Christ. Not evangelist. Christ. From cast life by absorbing it in him. Do you remember the scripture? Cast is everyone that hangs in the tree. That is what happened when Jesus was nailed across. He became a curse. And the same time dissolved the curse. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. And now, because of that, the air is what? And we can see that Abraham's blessing is what? Present. 
and available to land used to. We are able to receive God's life, His Spirit, and with us by believing just the way Abraham received it. Next verse. Friends, let me give you an example from everyday affairs of the free life I'm talking about. Once a person's will has been ratified, no one else can annul it or add to it. Next verse. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his descendant. You will observe that the scripture in careful language is a legal document, does not say descendants, referring to everybody in general, but to your descendants, referring to who? So the promise was to? And? And who? His descendant, who? The seed. Hallelujah. 326. Same verse, 26. I'll read that. Uh huh. By faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship. 27. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing up a fresh start, it also involved addressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. 28. In Christ's family, there cannot be division into Jew, Onan, Jew, slave, or among us, you're all. That is what we are all in. Common relationship with Jesus. 29. I love that. Also, since you are Christ's family, then are you Abraham's famous? Remember the language, not descendants. But what? Descendants. Heirs according to? Now let's read it. Let's read it in the King James. Let's begin with the first one before we come to 29. Uh, 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 uh. The one before. The one before. He said as of seed, not as of many. 16, I think. Let's go to 16. Yeah. Now, to Abraham and his seed was the? And he says... And to not said not unto as of many, but as of and thine seed, which is so when he speaks of seed, he's not talking about many, he's talking about who? Christ. So the promise is to Abraham and his seed, which is Christ. 29. And if you be Christ, then are ye Christ. Oh, 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 oh. look at Christ here. <laughs> look at Christ here. And they are telling them don't steal like they think they can steal. <laughs> Laugh at the devil. Listen, that is the place where the life of God starts to reproduce out of you. Because you stop to become a normal man. You realize that because you are Abraham's seed, you are Christ's. And because you are Christ's, you're Abraham's seed. He has exchanged his life and mingled it with yours. That him and you are the same. And this is love made perfect. That we might have confidence on the day of judgment. For as he is, so are we in this world. Before the throne of God above. I want you to sing that song. With your words, don't even first pray. One, two, three, let's go. Before the throne. Sing it. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your voices. Uh, choir, don't. I, you come and stand, but I want them. Uh, uh, 
church. You come and wait, hey, hey, hey. let me give you one more chance. Sing it from your heart. One, two, three, go. Strong. This is a very old hymn. Perfectly, a great high priest. Sing. Whoever lives and beats for me. You're not singing. hearing you. Next verse. When Satan tempts and tells me oh he'll squeeze me zeal for my breath the Jews that they might be saved and it says for I bear them a record that they have a zeal but not according to knowledge for they being ignorant of the righteousness of God the Bible says have gone ahead to establish their own righteousness refusing to submit to the righteousness which is of God if you're here and you've had a life of salvation of rule keeping and you want to throw away the rules and embrace Jesus to work in you both to will and to do I want you to walk here right now and you get a confession prayer I want you to come and confess the Lord Jesus this time seriously. This time seriously. If you know you're tired. I'm talking of people who are tired of keeping rules. I'm talking of people who are tired of trying to be and they just want to enter into what God has prepared. Look at that. 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 
That is salvation. That's why people get born again. That is why people come to Jesus. That is why people submit to God. Very simple. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Are men really preaching the gospel? And they're coming. And they're coming. Some of you today, you're getting born again. You, you have been living rule keepings and they are not working. Trust me, Jesus is going to work in you. I see some people here crying. I don't know why, what is happening in their lives. I see people crying here. But I know there is something the Lord is doing in the inside of them. I want you to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, tonight I accept your Lordship. I'm not for keeping rules anymore because I can't please you by rule keeping. I can only enter into what you have done. The truth is you died for me. That one you did it. The truth is you, you delivered me. That one you did it. The truth is that you healed me. That one you did it. The truth is that you redeemed me. That one you did it. Tonight I confess you as the Lord of my life. I am born again. Not of flesh and blood, but of God. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Father God, like Paul did, I will do too. I now commit you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to keep you and give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. If he is indeed the author and the finisher of your faith, he shall perfect that which concerns you. Believe on the Lord Jesus. And you shall be saved. Somebody clap for Jesus. You're born again. From today, Christ lives in you. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Thenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Finero, make manifest.